Welcome to WeAreTechnology.com's User-Friendly 2.0 with host Bill Sickens, Technology Architect. And this is User-Friendly 2.0. I'm your host, Bill Sickens. Welcome to this week's show. Got some great stuff for you coming up here, and we've got some stuff that we're looking ahead this year of doing too. August is going to be a very interesting month. We actually are going to get to some events. Coming right up in next person. week, we're going to be covering in person, in person. Yes, yeah, so before person. I get into that, let me welcome everybody. Jeremy and Gretchen, welcome. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Uh, also with us this week is Steve Mailer. Steve, welcome. Hey, guys. So we're looking forward to your interview coming up here, too, that we're going to be asking you some questions right off the cuff. So Uh-oh. we're going to see how that goes. And, uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I right, I'm going to cross my like fingers. That. Yeah, you know, well, uh, well, we'll where it is there. Right? You know, we're not going live. So... Uh, uh, just on go. a side note, you can you can pick up the blooper reel on the website at userfriendlyshow.com. Anyway, moving on. Um, upcoming events. We've got Black Hat next week. We're going to be covering it. And that is happening in Las Vegas. Chaz is on the floor there. I don't know if he's going to learn how to hack, but he is certainly going to tell us about what they're talking about in that arena, which has been really big news this last year. The other <laughs> thing we're doing in August is Emerald City Comic Con. This is the one up in Seattle, one of our favorites. We're all really yeah. looking forward to it. And uh, we're still deciding on our cosplays and everything else, but we're going to get to do them this time, which is going to be a lot of fun. And I'm thinking I might bring the Wookiee suit out. So we'll see I'm what happens Darth with Nihilus. Darth Nihilus, yeah. You know, it, yeah. Uh, the other thing that's cool is that it's a five-day event, so it does give one an opportunity to try out several different things. <laughs> yeah. so we will see how that goes. And then we've got some other events coming up this fall. The Rose City Comic Con is the one that we've decided to do in September. Uh, just because of the things that worked out. The one that unfortunately got taken out of the schedule is San Jose this year. We were really looking forward to that, but it just didn't work out for the timing. So we are going to definitely be planning for that next year, but we will still cover the event and let you know what's going on there. All right. So what do we have in the news this week? I don't know. You need to roll down the thing for me. Yeah. You know, the details, the news <laughs> is we have no news. No, let's, I, I think we do now. How about now? <laughs> okay. Um, Michelle Nichols, Lieutenant Uhura on Star Trek dies at age 89. You know, yeah. she is an individual that was just amazing mm-hmm. in that part yep. on the original Star Trek. And I know when I was growing up and first kind of discovered sci-fi and Star Trek, the original Star Trek at the time, because that's all there was, was kind of what I got into. And it was just a, a, a neat thing. And her having a part like that was just amazing, especially Rodden, for the time she was working in. Roddenberry had to fight for her. Um, yeah. when he would did the, the original thing, he had to fight for Spock, uh, Lieutenant Uhura and the first mate being female. And yeah. in the end, he, he let them dump the first mate female to keep Uhura and Spock. So, so it's just, <laughs> and, I, and I know uh, Leonard Neboy who played Spock too. He's also said that, uh, he ran into stuff like that back in the seventies, they were doing some other material. And uh, he refused to participate until they had her on the same pay scale as everybody else. You know, so just some interesting things that uh, th- that she kind of really got into. And then just the fact that she was amazing at the job she did. She, so almost, didn't, she almost didn't continue. She she only wanted to do, I think, the first season. And yeah. Yeah, I had the, heard Reverend, that. the Reverend Martin Luther King convinced her to stay on the show. Yep. yep. I well, I'm so glad that happened because it just uh, Star Trek would not be the same in any way, shape, no. or form if she had not been involved. And it just uh, 
This was well, amazing. She was like the only female uh, deck on, you know, uh, top bridge level. Officer. Bridge officer. Yeah. Mo- yeah. And yeah. It was like, yeah. I think mm-hmm. Yeoman exactly. Rand was the only one that you would uh, occasionally see. Yeah. And she was kind of like kind the of, assistant. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know? uh, yeah, exactly. Anyway, so according NASA's- to her son, Kyle Johnson, okay. she uh, passed away of natural causes. NASA's cute space robots just hit another milestone. Yeah, so uh, interesting thing there. You know, we talk about sci-fi all the time around here. And to kind of see some of this stuff playing out is to have these robots that will work alongside the crews. And that this is something that is actually functioning. They're getting this to work. So somebody that might need to do something outside of the space station can now be a robot. And we've said this many times this year that 2022 was planned year of the robots. And that is absolutely materializing. We're seeing this all around us. So this is just another area that these exciting new technologies, and they really are, are uh, making their way into things. I think we're going to see a lot more standardization. People will be used to seeing these different type of pieces of equipment around, and they're being used for a lot of different things. So you can already uh, order your personal droid, as it were, off of Amazon. You have to open up your checkbook. They are expensive, but they do exist. Hmm. (laughs) New materials pushes sodium ion batteries to phase out costly lithium. So uh, this is not a shock to me by any stretch of the imagination. Nope. Lithium mm-hmm. batteries are needed to power all of the gadgets and devices from electric cars to cell phones that we use now because of the amount of energy they can contain and they have the ability to have the longevity. But the problem with it is, and we've talked about this in the past, is there's no recycling program for these at scale yet there's a lot of things being attempted now which is better than it was but a lot of these are still ending up in landfills which lease out materials and that type of a thing and on the other side of it is this the process of manufacturing them the mining and actually putting everything together is very involved and very expensive so the idea that we're looking at a different format something sodium which is much more prevalent you don't have to mine it it's based on salt if they can make that work, would be a huge, huge step in the right direction in all of this to be able to solve a lot of these problems. Electric vehicles are starting to come into their own, as is everything else. Every device we have that's wireless, for the most part, uses these kind of batteries. And we have seen some problems with them. There's a lot of uh, recalls on electric cars where they say, don't park it in the garage until we figure out how to make it stop exploding. And to <laughs> me, that's bad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you, seen, have you seen some of these videos where? A uh, car charging in the garage just catch. I mean, it catches on fire and it's it, it dangerous very, very quickly. Yeah, well, yeah. Oh, there's also the video of the one sitting in the in the junkyard for for two weeks that explodes and catches on fire. So, yeah, they can't I mean, put the fire out. It's, it's no. uh, you know, it's, it's <laughs> that's stressful for the fireman too. Yeah, that leads to this one: a mountain that just keeps growing. What to know about the e waste left behind by your gadgets? So about mm-hmm. 17% of electronic devices are recycled. That's a very low number. That's that's terrible. And it's, it's terrible. And it's something that doesn't have to be. We had a story a couple of years ago. In fact, we should invite him back on dealing with this kind of stuff that was putting together a recycling program that's become quite successful. And it is very much possible to recycle electronics. It's just not accessible in a lot of different places. And all of these devices do contain a lot of chemicals. We were just talking about the batteries, but it's the same thing for your old television, cell phones, all the rest of this stuff. And a lot of these things can be resold on sites like eBay and recycled in those ways. 
But a lot of stuff, about five, six of it, it sounds like, doesn't end up going through that process and just ends up getting thrown out. And this is something that we have got to do better on because it is creating all kinds of problems. Another big one that the state of California is dealing with right now is solar panels. They have a lifespan of about 10 years. There's no process in place to recycle them. They no. contain chemicals. So as people are upgrading and they're wearing out, they're just going into landfills. Uh, Wi-Fi That's 7 depressing. is coming soon. Yeah, yeah it is. Yep. Except it the is. Wi-Fi it is, is very not much depressing. Is. No, the Wi-Fi, well, maybe it is because I'm just trying to upgrade to 6. And, uh, oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> We're still on 5. So, yeah. Somebody, somebody got a good idea of numbering these versions instead of calling them, you know, 802.11xa, whatever it is. And somebody somewhere is supposed to know what that means because most people don't. Uh, I did, but I'm a geek. But the thing is, at the end of the day, is we're now going to version numbers. Version 6 is the newest on the market system. Tri-band Wi-Fi, the best system by Linksys that's a uh, web-based or what's called a mesh system will run you about a grand to put it out there. But they do work quite well. The Wi-Fi 7 is another step up from this where IEEE is starting to standardize the protocols for that, and that will be the next version of it. Now, I have had problems that I've been told are very unusual. I've got the uh, mesh system that's the predecessor to 6, so it would be version 5, I guess. And my system only allows 44 devices per tower, and I only have three towers, and I keep exceeding that maximum number. So hopefully Mm -hmm. Wi-Fi 6 will solve that problem. Stop adding devices. (laughs) <laughs> i don't even uh, want to hear that kind of negativity that's just not an option <laughs> okay the last one is 5g is becoming more available yeah this comes from a listener question we've talked about 5g when it was coming out everything from the conspiracy theories to what it can actually do and what it can't do and it's been deployed now and is used in a lot of places we have it on most of our phones but one of the other areas is is this was a technology that was always going to be able to replace landline internet like your cable modem or your fiber, or that kind of a thing. And the big companies, T-Mobile and Verizon and so on, are coming out with towers that allow you to be able to run your home network on the wireless system. And it seems to be working quite well. I had a chance to try this out. I liked it. It seems to be cheaper, although I think it's a little lost leader to get it in there now. Those prices probably will go up. But it is something that does give you another option, so you're not just tied into one or two providers. Got a great show for you this week. Don't go away. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. A lot of creation has come out of the pandemic. There are some good sides of this, and we see a lot of new products that maybe wouldn't exist if the disruption hadn't happened. To that end, I'd like to introduce our guest this week, James. Welcome to the show. You are the CEO of a company called Game Apart, and you've been putting some stuff together that came out of the pandemic. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about what you've been doing. Yeah, well, Game Apart was uh, initially, we, we started it during the first round of lockdowns. We started out as the the, the Games Over Zoom platform, and um, it's kind of been an interesting road of twists and turns, and, and really what we're, what we're building and, and, and focusing on now is kind of the, the tools and, and techniques for uh, culture building and team building over you know, Zoom for remote and hybrid teams. 
So the type of product that you're producing is the idea of being able to build the ability to work together like you would have had in the office, but we don't now be in remote. Is that a fair statement? Absolutely. So how does, and I know these are games, so tell us a little bit about the specifics of that. Yeah, so, you know, we, we sort of start with the idea that, um, you know, not not being together makes you lose just the, the day-to-day casual interactions, right? I mean, it's it's the kind of stereotypical water cooler conversation. It's those couple minutes at the start of a meeting. It's grabbing coffee, doing a happy hour. It's all those things. And, and of course, you know, we like those things. We like those things. But the, the, the follow-on from there is those are the moments that build relationships, friendships, connections at work. And those connections are what, you know, that's the foundation of team culture uh, and, and from their productivity. And so it's how do we try and recreate those moments in a virtual or a remote setting? And a lot of it can start from games or, or kind of the gamification of, of meetings and moments. And that's, that's what Game Apart's all about. It's about being intentional about that. It's about give, you know, getting, giving tools and software um, to do that. So, I mean, boiled down, it really is games over Zoom or Teams or Google Meet. Um, and, then, and then a platform for companies and leaders um, to, to organize those things, schedule those things, make them happen, make them kind of feel um, spontaneous and organic across the team. Um, and, and kind of this dual, you know, on the one end, kind of building a platform for them, but then for, for the team members, for people using it, you know, it's just, we're building games. We're making kind of fun little party, casual um, type activities that, um, that you kind of work into your workday. So, so that was going like to be my a next stress question. reliever. You know, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I would, I, I would think so. Yeah, that, you know, so that was going to be my next question too. Is what are the games? I mean, is this something where you could bring your PlayStation? Is it something that's designed within your platform? They're all. How does that yeah. work? Yeah, they're all designed within our platform, and um, so we we kind of segment them in two different ways. One is how much time you have. So really, are are we talking? You've got you know three minutes or less, like you're, you're basically at the start of the meeting, kind of, you know, start of a meeting, waiting for everyone to show up. You've just got a, a couple minutes where, um, you know, you want to bring a little bit of fun or, you know, use that time kind of, right? Like, like basically, instead of just sitting there on mute, like we tend to do on a Zoom call, waiting for everyone to show up and for somebody to say, okay, everybody, let's start the agenda. Like, let's have a little bit of fun. Like, let's use that time. So you've got kind of, you know, do you have three minutes or have you set aside 15, 30, 60 minutes for the sole purpose of team building and bonding and fun? Or is this like end of quarter, holiday party, after hours, like we've carved out a couple hours. So so we segment them on time and then we kind of segment them on on um, what what is it we're trying to get out of it. So we've got wellness, competition, communication, um, cooperation, get to know each other better. So Within those, it's it's everything from I mean it's it's now it's all games we've built ourselves or licensed um, onto the platform. So you play within the platform itself. So in like the three minute version, it's it's things like you know flash trivia, um, you know meme or caption contests. Um, I mean quick, simple, you know one minute stretching, meditation, share a photo. So really quick, simple 
you know, low stress, low impact type stuff. Um, when you've got a little bit longer, we get into, you know, party games that are all kind of focused on bringing out something in your team. So it's, it's our takes on, you know, taboo or heads up or trivia contests or, um, you know, we've got a work safe version of Cards Against Humanity. Um, you know, basically, right? Because 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 those, those those actually bring out they they take you to the edge of your comfort zone. I, I was, was going like to say it. that must have taken some editing to get that to where you could. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it did, and, and we still have disclaimers all over it, right? So like, we, you know, it's like, hey, like like, but but those are the things, and 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 um, because the whole idea, like, there's a lot of research that went into it where it's it's all about creating a sense of psychological safety. Yeah. And and getting to right to the edge of, you know, like what is that line of of a little bit of discomfort, but also having fun and and all that, that that that's where that happens. That's where you start feeling safe. Um, obviously without without, you know, trying to cross the line. Um and then and then when you get into like the 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 long events, you know, that's where we actually, you know, we'll we've got partners that we work with and we'll ship out cocktail kits or meal building kits or uh you know, a scotch tasting or a blend your own wine competition, that sort of thing. Um, and, and really kind of do kind of the full blown kind of party. So we've got about a minute going here. So let's go ahead and tell us a little bit. What are some of the things that you ran into trying to launch this in the middle of the pandemic? Well, I think, you know, I mean, of course, building out the team itself, right. That was, that was a struggle. Um, and, you know, I think just, um, I mean, for our particular product, it, it in in many respects, it 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 was the right product at the right time in the right place because right. we could speak to this, and folks were like nodding their heads virtually, but nodding their heads saying, "Yeah, we need this, we want this." I mean, for for us, it's it's actually been you know having the conversation of do you know now it's do we all still need this as the pandemic recedes? And of course, we believe yes, we do. Um, and, and that this is still very much a thing and that, and that, you know, this virtual remote hybrid world, um, is, is really kind of a a fact of life now, um, even, even as the pandemic recedes. Yeah. And I agree with you on that. I think in a lot of places, I know outside of user-friendly, I'm a software engineer myself and I found that last six months, especially I've been doing more in the way of remote stuff than ever before. Yep. Absolutely. I agree. Well, even like how does Go ahead. I was going to say the chamber meetings that we uh, attend, I I feel nervous at first, and something like that would help to reduce that nervous feeling. Yeah, yeah just one I agree. minute of getting to know each other and loosen things up a bit. All right, how do they find you online? What's your website and social media? Yeah, gameapart.com, and then we're at gameapart on pretty much every platform out there. All right, sounds good, James. Thank you for joining us this week. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Chaz Wellington from Las Vegas. Chaz, how are you doing? Doing great, Bill. How are you? Doing good. So this week we have Black Hat coming up. Absolutely. Black Hat will be at Mandalay Bay 
August 6th to the 11th. All right, so that's coming right up here. And I know you're going to be there being able to cover the show for us. So you've been there the last couple of years. Now, last year, did they hold the event? I can't remember. I know it was canceled one year due to COVID. Yes, I think this is my fourth year or fifth year, actually. Uh, the year before last, because of COVID, was was canceled. Last year, attendees were allowed to attend in person and or virtual. Okay, Same as All this right. year. Same as this year. Yeah, it seems a lot of the events are doing that now. So being that you've seen this in the past, what are you expecting to see out there this year? Do you think it's going to be back to its normal attendance and all of that kind of stuff? I do believe we'll have uh, 100% capacity. Uh, There's going to be a couple of companies here and there that will choose to do it virtually. But from what I've seen of the numbers in the casinos, the numbers in which you have to understand convention attendees generally don't come here to gamble. However, uh, the conventions that are going on are at max capacity. So okay. the I see this going to be the same way. Everybody's coming back this year. And they'll, like I said, there'll be a couple of companies that'll go virtual, but for the most part, we're back. We're back. So, okay. No, that's, that's great to hear. Now for anybody that doesn't know, Black Hat is a conference about hacking or is it something else? Well, it's generally, yes, about hacking and the prevention of hacking. So, you know, Black Hat started out by hackers, but it grew to be educational and government agencies now attend like CIA, FBI. In fact, 2019, I interviewed the Department of Homeland Security, and I'm sure they'll be back there this year. Yes, you know, I sort of remember that interview from a few years ago. Now, this has been going on for 25 years. Uh, and, it, you know, as a conference, like you say, it started out the term black hat refers to a type of hacker that usually gets in for the purpose of screwing things up. You have a white hat that's a hacker that is usually on the side of doing security and all that type of thing. And I know in the last couple of years, you've been involved in training in network security and that type of thing. Do you think a conference like this is useful? Extremely useful. Uh, you know, the hackers that hacked and got caught are generally offered a government job. So, I mean, yeah. the, the, the hackers come there to help teach government agencies how to protect themselves. Government government agencies come there to learn from them. And for the general public that wants to attend, it's good to learn about cybersecurity, network defense uh, on the home level. And, you know, there's a lot of attendees that uh, are small businesses. Right, right. They don't have to be a massive corporation to find quality, uh, you know, good quality information here. Well, and it's, the hacking problem is definitely affecting everybody. I know that we've heard it from the, some of the big casinos down there have had problems to small businesses and everything in between. And this is an issue that I don't think is going to go away anytime soon, especially with all the things that are going on in the world now. This seems to be a new front of attack in many ways that didn't exist not so long ago that can really shut down an entire operation. So having information to be able to prevent or at least figure out how to try to prevent those type of things makes a lot of sense. Now, Black Hat, is it, is it a convention where you have vendors and, and booths and all that type of stuff set up, or is it something different? No, absolutely. You have the business hall where there are hundreds of vendors. They're offering various products of network defense, um, hardware, and the like. So uh, there's... Uh, attendees that are there 
as vendors to teach just the information. So it's a wide spectrum. Okay. All right. So that, uh, that makes total sense. Do they sell merchandise there? Most of the merchandise is, is given away as okay. a freebie. So you can walk through and walk out with bags and bags of really cool stuff. So swag type stuff, but it's not like a vendor's hall. I, I was just curious. We've been asked those questions in the past. And one of these years I plan to get there, I was going to go in 2020. And then, of course, that didn't happen. <laughs> so yeah, well, you can always jump on a plane next week and come right out. Hey, you know what? I could give that a try if it would get there. Uh, that seems to be a little bit of a challenge right now, too. So, all right. Well, we've got about 20 seconds left. So you're down in Vegas. I got to ask you the question. Is it hot out there? If you like 117 degrees, yes. Okay, so I maybe it's, won't be jumping on that plane. <laughs> yes, we've had uh, the last five to seven days have been between 110 and 117. Well, all right. Well, listen, well, you're looking forward to having you back next week. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Joining us now, Steve Mailer, who every pretty much other week brings us a, just an amazing interview, and we've had a lot of questions coming in. Steve, welcome to the show. Hey, guys. How are you doing? We are well. It's good to actually have you on and be able to talk to you. I agree. I miss you guys. Yeah, same. absolutely same thing <laughs> here. Uh, everybody loves your content. You know, we get a lot of feedback every week, and what I wanted to do is get you on to answer some listener questions. Now, just to kind of give everybody where we're coming from with this, Steve has not seen any of these questions prior to recording today. So we're kind of putting them in the hot seat. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. So we are going to uh, go ahead and just see how this goes. So the first question that came in was Mm -hmm. from the first Gino Romo interview. Okay. And our listener asks, this is an individual that I heard on Portland radio for many, many years and absolutely loved listening to. How did you meet him and how did you get him interested in what he's doing? Um, well, I met Gino, who, who was an, an incredibly wonderful guy. He's, uh, he's actually become a buddy. He's one of those instant buddies that when you meet him, you just like him. He, he and I were on the film set. Um, Earlier in in June of 2022, so just a couple of, or maybe actually it was May of 2022, so just a couple of months ago, where he is playing a featured role in an independent uh, feature film that was being shot here in in Reno. And I was hired as a behind-the-scenes videographer, documentary filmmaker, uh, while the, the crew was doing principal photography on the film. And just in talking to Gino, um, I learned that he was from Portland. He had a very, very long history um, as a radio personality. And when I told him about the show, we just kind of clicked and he became an interview. Wow, that's a that's incredible. <laughs> All right. So yeah. our next question is from Terry from a place called Toadsuck, Arkansas. And I did check that it is really the name of the town. Okay. Um, so I, <laughs> and that actually, somewhere. when I spoke on the yeah, I'll tell you, in the first two minutes of the conversation was him going to a Google map on the screen share to prove that this place really existed. So anyway, okay. and this was the interview you did with uh, Patrick Farley back in May. Okay. And he asked the question, 
are you actually participating in the trilogy or is this are these movies that he's doing on his own uh, how are you interacting with him and how does it differ to work with a martial artist as opposed to just a regular actor okay well that's a great a great series of questions so this kind of ties in to the first question regarding Mr. Romo because Mr. Romo is that the film that Patrick is producing and directing uh, Gino uh, is the one of the lead actors in that feature film and it is an independent film that centers around the story of uh, it is it is a trilogy the first two films were not feature length but they are certainly the beginning and middle and the continuation of the story what I liked about working with Patrick who's a he's a different cat nice guy really smart very well prepared um he is a martial artist um i believe the style that he has mastered because he's he's a multi-level black belt i mean you don't want to mess with this guy um is kenpo and so a lot of the a lot of the fight choreography centers around his own training and he he brings that to the screen very well so he had very clear ideas of what he wanted to show in the fight scenes. And that is very different because most actors, if you don't have fight experience, you generally have a stunt coordinator, someone who helps you block out and choreograph how the fight is going to look, especially in terms of what camera angles you want to cover it, how many cameras, and just generally the flow of the action because the action was real and it was very quick and very fast. You know, and I, that sounds very, I could see where these could actually be almost two different disciplines when it, when it comes down to it, it for really, uh, being able to deal with definitely, it. They are definitely truly different specialties that you really have to take seriously. Yeah. All right, so our next really, question. Yeah, it'll be really easy to get hurt, uh, apparently. Oh, no, I, can, I can only <laughs> yeah. imagine, you know, that just uh, that was <laughs> mm-hmm. going to be a follow-up yeah. question. Yeah. But yeah. since yes. you've already talked about, I can see where, you know, safety is is a is a big, big deal and yeah. would be there a major injuries. part of that. There so. were injuries on oh, yeah. that. My goodness, that's uh, not something you want. <laughs> so, no. all right. So next question that came in is, it seems like Steve uh, works in a lot of different aspects of production, everything from running cameras to audio to video to editing and so on, which I can attest to is very true. Which is your favorite part of it and why? Wow. I love these mm-hmm. questions. You're, I, love, <laughs> I love your listeners. I love our listeners. They're wonderful questions. If I had to pick, a a full-time thing that I would do as an occupation. I love being on the set, but the magic for me is in editing because the you're not really telling a story when you're on the set because it's very it's very common that you're filming out of sequence. You're filming sometimes the hardest parts of the story first, or maybe the most dangerous parts of the story first. So because you're filming out of sequence, you're not really telling the story when you're doing principal photography. The where, where you're telling the story is where you're piecing the, the front, the beginning, the beginning, the middle, the end uh, in the editing suites. So for me, editing has always been the magic. We've got about a minute to go here. How long have you been editing? And uh, this is another question that came in. Did you start analog or have you always used a computer? And I, uh, again, great question. So when I went to school, the school of film that I studied at was uh, at SDSU Telecommunications 
and film, it was all analog. It was three quarter inch SP, sometimes beta cam if I was lucky. So it was very analog. There were it was cuts only, unless you were in lucky enough to be in an A B roll editing suite. In 1992-93, that's when I made the move to start editing non-linearly through Premiere, through Final Cut Pro. Um, so since 1992-93, I've been doing it uh, digitally by computer. I just, you know, it's like how everything changes with all of that. Oh, all right, God. Well, Steve, thanks for, you, you know, thanks for coming on and answer. We're going to have to do this again because we've got a lot more questions than we had time sure. for today. Every week. But I appreciate I'll you being here. I appreciate your interviews. Right, hey, there we go. We'll have to work <laughs> that out. This is User Friendly 2.0. We'll be back after the break. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Great show this week. It's always a lot of fun to talk to Steve. You know, he has so much incredible stuff in video production and movies and all of that. And uh, I know that what we talked to him about is just the tip of the iceberg from some of the stuff he's done. He's got some great guests. I don't know where he finds them, but it's always fun to, to hear from him. So really appreciate that. And, you know, another story that came out this week, which is kind of interesting is the idea of a guard cat now i have always been of the opinion that cats do guard you at least yep. when they feel like it uh this comes out of mississippi and what happened is is he had an attempted robbery at his house in the middle of the night it was on july 25th about 2 30 in the morning and he was awoken to his cat his cat's name is bandit his meow is in the kitchen um went to the kitchen uh, she went to the kitchen jumped onto his bed and started pulling the comforter off him and clawing his arms. She had never done that before, so he figured something was wrong. And he said, what in the world is wrong with you? So finally, he woke up, got up to investigate, and found two men outside his back door. One had a handgun and the other with a crowbar, and they were trying to break the door open. Oh, my. Hmm. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so he said he retrieved his handgun and returned to the kitchen, and the intruders had already fled. And... You know, so he went from there, but uh, he said the situation could have been very different without Bandit. Right. Uh, yeah. The cat created this where it didn't turn into a confrontational situation. And it's just interesting. So, you know, sometimes having a pet, I, I, I recommend it highly. I love pets. I've had them most of my life. But this can go a little bit more than just having a little fuzzy that can snuggle up with you. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember the um, the cat that protected the child from the dog? Was oh, yeah. Yeah, there, I do uh, remember that story. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so you see these things around all the time. It's just uh, it's just cool. Anyway, Bandit's a big kitty. She's a 20 pound calico. Oh, my. Wow. So, uh, that's a that's a that's a big <laughs> kitty. <laughs> that is a big kitty. So speaking of big kitties, I hear that you've been seeing big kitties outside of your house. No, actually, we've been seeing bears. Oh, bears. Uh, the, bears and coyotes. About, yeah. Okay. The big kitty is in a, the bobcats is uh, is across the valley. Oh, okay. Okay. So a different in another spot. neighborhood. Same yeah. same uh, city, different neighborhood. Yeah. I understand. Okay. So bobcats are in one neighborhood, bob, bears a, in the other. A family of bobcats in your neighborhood is still not something you want to have happen. No. They're no, very pretty, <laughs> but I don't want bobcats in my neighborhood. I don't know. I think I'd rather have the bobcat than the bear. Mm -hmm. yeah. All right, well, anyway, this coming week, we have Rock Hat. Uh, Chaz is going to be covering that for us on next week's show. 
Always an interesting event. Emerald City Comic Con's coming up in three weeks. Are you guys ready? My goodness, that's coming up. No. Uh, Almost. <laughs> we're still deciding so anyway, on what costumes we want. Yeah, same thing here. We're going to have to talk about that a little bit and decide what we want to do this year. And until then, this yeah. is User-Friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User-Friendly 2.0, copyright 2014-2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host and not necessarily those of the User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeirdTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, TheAnswerPortland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.